at some point in the middle of summer, the wallet that owns one of the alien crypto punks decided to, out of nowhere, adopt like a dozen moon cats that had the same sort of saturated blue as their crypto punk. And we have no idea who owns that wallet. Today, we are talking about the early generative NFT project, Mooncats, with David, who's the co-founder and lead developer, and Anna, who's community manager. Mooncats launched in 2017, and they are just simple 8-bit style pixelated cats. Now, the project initially was not a huge success. They didn't sell out. Remember, this is 2017, so it was very early days. So many of the cats remained unminted, only to be rediscovered recently. Now, once it was rediscovered, the remaining cats were minted in just minutes as people immediately saw value in the historic nature of this project. So what makes them historic? Well, first and foremost, they were a very early generative project. And then secondly, with a high degree of certainty, this is the very first generative cat project. So that has a lot of appeal. And I would say it still does, especially at prices of about one ETH. Now, you'll notice the floor price we mentioned in this episode is lower than one ETH. And that's because a lot has happened since we recorded the show. Notably, Sotheby's has announced that they're going to be auctioning off some moon cats in an upcoming auction. And of course, that announcement just drove prices up. Now, the only downside here that I can think of, what's really holding this project back in terms of excitement and demand and collectability is that it wasn't designed to be a PFP project. And when we say PFP, that just means profile photo project. Typically, to classify as a PFP project, you want to have a very unique looking asset. You want something that people are going to put up on their Twitter profiles or Instagram or any other social network. Because when that happens and people use them as profile photos, that can in turn drive demand, collectability, and community. So why aren't these PFP? Well, many of the cats to the untrained eye look very, very similar. So the Mooncats team is addressing this by extending the Mooncats. You can add items on top of the Mooncats now, and they're even building out vehicles to put the cats in. So the question is, do these add-ons add value to the project? Will they be considered bolt-ons or natural extensions to this early project? And can Mooncats make the jump from these cute but historically significant NFTs to a future mass franchise such as a CryptoPunks or a Bored Apes, or do they even want to? Now, in full transparency and honesty, I own one, but it's not because I necessarily want to extend them. I don't want to put hats and crazy things on top of my cats or put them in vehicles. I just want to own a piece of that history. But that said, I have nothing but respect for entrepreneurs building new things and certainly this group of entrepreneurs that worked on a very historic project. So I'd like to welcome David and Anna to the show. So Anna and David, thank you so much for joining me on the show. You're very welcome. Thanks for having us. I'm excited for this. We've been waiting to do this for a while. Your project is so, I feel like, uh, mysterious in many ways. <laughs> it's it's like in the when I first heard about it and then just how there was still some available. And like I was in this, I was actually in a Telegram group, maybe a, a not even a year ago. It was just a handful of months ago. March, six was months it March? ago. Okay. Yep. So somebody had discovered that there were still some Mooncats available and there was like this mad dash to mint the rest of them. But I, but before we get to how the project got reawakened, I would love to start in the, with the origin story. If we could just check into when and where and how this all got off the ground. 
Oh, that's all you, David. All right. So rewind to 2017. And I'm very interested in Ethereum. I have a friend of a friend named Jason, who I've recently met. And he is in law school, finishing up law school. And then the Dow debacle happens. And it's one of the most interesting things that I think I've had a front row seat to in the cryptocurrency space, watching all of that, the governance questions, everything coming out of the community, dealing with that, weighing the different options. And it actually, it ended up being a flashpoint in my relationship with Jason as a lawyer in training. He was very interested in all of that, had an interest in computer science as well. And we started talking more and more. And... He decided to come out to Colorado and work on a crypto project together. And we kicked around a bunch of ideas trying to figure out what would be a good thing to get into. One of the things that it's still true today that's magical about the smart contract space particularly is there's so much potential, so much possibility And it's not yet to the point where you need massive teams and massive funding to really have an impact. And that really drew us in. NFTs weren't really a thing at the time. No one knew about them. No one was talking about them. Uh, CryptoPunks had quietly released and garnered a little bit of attention. And we thought this idea of digital ownership was just very interesting. Art on the blockchain. And so we, we kicked around a bunch of ideas and then Moon cats, the internet. It just all sort of came together. I remember I whipped up the tool to sketch out some pixel art and you know created the first cat mock-up and yeah, we were like, this is it. This is what we're gonna do. And one of our one of our goals, one of our shared design goals in general is empowering people. And that's why it has a very fair distribution. We wanted people to choose which cats they got and we wanted people to be able to customize them. And that led to the naming system. That's very cool. So well, you were the one that actually designed the first cats. These were all generative, though, in some sense, right? So you, you would pick which way they were facing. And were the colors automatically generated? Like, how, how did the attributes get defined? So there's a seed, which is a, I mean, generally represented as a hexadecimal value. And each, each bit in that or collection of bits actually determines one of the cats' attributes. And that the color is is somewhat interesting. So there's an RGB value, which is the last three bytes in the cat seed. And that determines basically which hue the cat is going to be. And then we do a bunch of fun color math and, yeah, make brightly colored moon cats. All mooncat colors are fully saturated. One of the problems when you choose random RGB values is that they tend to be kind of dark and muddy. That's the majority of the color space. and We wanted our mooncats to be bright and friendly. Oh, you know, something, actually, one of Midnight Lightning, or Brooks, who was an early major community contributor, actually posted an excellent write-up where he breaks down the entire contract and describes in detail how all of the cat characteristics are determined as well as the colors. 
We actually, as a staff, kind of make fun of that post in retrospect, not because it isn't a write-up. It is super excellent. And even someone who isn't technologically inclined can kind of understand the the tech that went into Mooncats. But to give you an idea of how tiny the Mooncat space was at the time, it was this huge technical write-up on Reddit and it got exactly six upvotes. And two of them were from Brooks's friends and one of them was from Ponderware. That's amazing. Yeah, so th- th- this project, when it initially launched, well, actually, before we get into that, I'd love to talk about the rarity of the different cats. I mean, because uh-huh. there's there's some ones that are seem to be very common, and it seems that there's some that are, are quite rare. Can can you break down how that worked? How that initial minting process worked? So there are the Genesis cats. The Genesis cats are set apart from other cats. You can't find a seed which creates a Genesis cat. Genesis cats are black and white and gray, and they're the only colorless cats in the collection. And how many are those? In, are there in total? So there was supposed to be more than there are now, but in the collection now there are ninety six out of a potential two hundred and fifty six. And when you say potential, what is what do you mean by that? Actually, we've manually released the Genesis cats in batches of sixteen. And our goal was, as the rescue was underway at various points, and and we did for the first several batches, we would release batches of Genesis cats. Then interest waned and died off, and cat mintings went down to almost nothing. And we, well, stopped paying very close attention, I suppose. And then in March, all of a sudden, all of the cats that remained were rescued in a matter of hours. So we didn't have a chance to release the remaining Genesis batches. So then we reappeared on the scene, reestablished communications with the moon base, and there was a lot of community fervor over what we were going to do about the remaining 160 Genesis mooncats. And that's actually what led to the community vote. And ultimately, the community decided to burn the private key and lock away the remaining 160 Genesis Mooncats forever, which in the lore are now known as the Hero Cats. Yes, so those 160 Genesis Mooncats in the Mooncat lore have stayed on the moon to rebuild the Mooncats society. And so they are like the 160, uh, you know, Mooncats that took the path of the heroes. That's awesome. I love that you've developed a backstory. How much of the, the kind of backstory was originally part of the initial release or in how much of it was after the fact where you said, okay, we're going to continue to evolve this project going forward. So a lot of the lore elements uh, were in place from the very beginning. Jason and I collaborated heavily on developing and starting to flesh out the Mooncat universe. As you know, time has gone on and the project has evolved, the lore continues to evolve, incorporating both you know, events that take place in the space and feedback from the community and expansions of ideas that we planted the seeds for back in 2017. And can we go into a little of that initial lore? Because I'd be curious, like everyone, you mentioned rescue a few times now, but we actually haven't gone into why you're rescuing a, a cat and how that uh, would happen. So can, can you kind of explain that process? Sure. So... There are four billion mooncats that were trapped on the moon. And there was a lot of uh, solar flare activity back in 2017. And so we sort of wetted that into the lore. How that plays out over the four years is under-described at the moment. 
It's a little hand wavy. We were able to provision craft to rescue 25,600 of the moon cats. In order to rescue a moon cat, what you had to do was go to the moon cat rescue website and use the moon cat scanner, which would scan the moon looking for cats available for rescue. What was actually going on in that process is very, very similar to mining blocks for Bitcoin or Ethereum. You actually, you have to find a valid block and then you can submit that and the submitted block will actually contain or resolve to a specific Mooncat ID. So this sort of relates to the question of rarities in traits. It was always up to the community what traits. So the the specific poses and colors and patterns and expressions all occur with equal probability. But people were welcome to choose which cats they rescued. And in the early days, there was a lot of that. And we've, we did that ourselves with a handful of cats we rescued. And, you know, reports from early rescuers are very similar. You'd find a cat and then decide if you were going to rescue that cat. Mm. Or So when you say decide, you would, you would click this button, it would go out searching for one. If it discovered one, it would present it to you and give you the option to mint it at that point in time. Or you could just say, I'm going to roll the dice again. Is that more or less? Yeah, exactly. And um, really intrepid rescuers, including Brooks, who was just sort of a, a, a person in the community in 2017, but has since gone on to join the Ponderware team. He has actually talked about how he sort of gamed the system a little bit because he was looking for blue moon cats and orange tabby cats because they kind of look like a Garfield. And so there are some cats that are a little more prevalent in colors. There are some moon cats, we call them the, the pigs. So there's like pink and orange cats. They're a little less prevalent. But yeah, there's lots of orange tabbies. Crazy. So are there certain little factions that have developed where you have collectors that are like with any of these projects, you, you have these like little nicknames for, for certain types of characters. Are, are there desirable attributes that, I mean, obviously the, the Genesis cats have to be the ones that are the most sought after, I would imagine. But yes. what else outside of that do people look for when they collect? So it kind of varies from person to person. I think the one that sort of fascinates me as as the community manager is at some point in the middle of summer, the wallet that owns one of the alien crypto punks decided to out of nowhere adopt like a dozen moon cats that had the same sort of saturated blue as they are CryptoPunk. And we have no idea who owns that wallet. They've never been in the Discord. We've called out to them on Twitter like, hey, if this is you, we'd love to talk to you just because we're curious about you as an adopter. And yeah, so they own one CryptoPunk that is alien colored and like a dozen moon cats that are alien colored. And that ended up through like no control of ours as spawning a character cat that only existed because of this one wallet that decided to adopt a bunch of moon cats to match their crypto punk. Hmm. What was, and what's the character? Is it an alien cat? Yeah. Or? So it's it's typically called an alien. And so, sort of rising up from that, there is someone else who is has a zombie crypto punk, and they are also slowly collecting moon cats. And so that has also become like a known on like the Discord, but less well known around other crypto spaces as a zombie moon cat. 
That's and so that's just a green coloring. Is that is that how they're right. defining that? Is and the well, interesting thing is, is the community sort of we don't decide these. Like Ponderware sort of stays out of the character cats discussion, but the community has sort of built up the lore around these cats. And in fact, you can go to ratemymoon.cat and it will walk you through the hues and the coats and the expressions that are considered optimal for some of these character cats. This is amazing. I'm checking it out right now. <laughs> yeah. Cool. They- Community has created designated Garfields and Pink Panthers, and yeah, it's it's really been it's been fun. So I have a the one that I was able to purchase, and th- this was right after they all sold out in March. I was able to pick up a. Uh, I'm looking at the properties now of of my particular cat. It is a purple spotted. It says one percent have this trait. Is that the kind of the coat? Is that is that the most desirable? attribute to kind of predict uh, rarity is, is do people or do people take multiple attributes in a conjunction to kind of prescribe value to it? I, I think it's kind of a mix of a few things. You definitely have character cats and no matter when character cats are rescued, they're all, they all have some intrinsic value to them that's above like the basic floor entry level price to the collection. Beyond that, there's sort of an ongoing evolving discussion about, well, 2017 is the year that the contract deployed. So 2017s are worth more. But wait, in 2018 and 2019, there were actually less mints than in 2017. So there's a smaller pool of them. Are they more expensive? Mm. And or are they more valuable? And I think the one thing that everybody agrees upon is... In 2020, we call them the COVID moon cats. The community does and Ponderware kind of loves it. So we call them that too. There was only three moon cats rescued in 2020. And at this point, they've all been acclimated. They're all in the official moon cats wrapper, which means that they can go to the moon cats boutique and buy accessories that can change the visual look of the moon cat. And all three COVID cats actually have face masks on at this point. When they first were minted, David, you didn't have an ERC-721 standard to go on, right? Like these Correct. were not real in, in quote-unquote NFTs because that really hadn't been defined yet. Later, when I received mine, I received my token, there was no way to view it on OpenSea. So I went and I wrapped and there was an rap, unofficial wrapper out there that I used. And then later, was it, is it true that you all... I'm assuming that when I rewrapped mine recently, I did it through the official mechanism. Is that correct? Yes. Acclimated. The Sorry, acclimated. Wrapper. Yes. The yeah. acclimation wrapper. Yeah. Can you explain that whole process? Like what, 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 what happened there? Was it, it was, it, it wasn't until this new interest kind of happened that you said, okay, we should create our own official wrapper so that we can extend the functionality of the cats. Yeah, essentially. We didn't, you know, we didn't realize that there was going to be interest in moon cats and we were very happy when, when Mooncat interest picked up. And someone in the community stepped forward and put up the unofficial wrapper. And we spent some time developing a more feature-rich wrapper that would help us expand the Mooncat ecosystem moving forward. Gotcha. And when you did this official wrapper and, and you did the acclimation, and so that, that did what to it? That made it so you could view the attributes, it was officially wrapped. And then what's this idea of being able to extend and add additional objects on top of the cats? How does that work? So the first major, and after the acclimation system itself, the first major Mooncat extension is the Mooncat Accessories contract. And the Mooncat Accessories allows anyone 
to we through a provided designer design accessories to apply to their mooncats put them up for sale in the mooncat accessories boutique and then mooncat owners such as yourself can visit the boutique buy accessories apply free accessories and then dress their mooncat however they choose and when they do that is that destroying the original nft and then creating a new one with the accessory no so the Mooncat Accessories contract is just layers image data on top of the Mooncat. And we, we actually provide a library that does that image composition. But nothing that we offer destroys original Mooncats. Everything that, you know, whether you acclimate them or apply accessories, the original Mooncat is still intact and can be retrieved. I see. So after you apply, like, like I see one here that's uh, the Cat Saber. Which is a cat with a lightsaber. <laughs> if if I'm if I later I'm like ah don't love the lightsaber anymore. It, it, there is a smart contract to go in and undo that piece. Yep. Is a hundred percent. You can go to uh, boutique mooncat uh, community. There's like a virtual wardrobe for all of your mooncats on that site, and you can basically go in there and decide. All right, I own ten accessories. I want to have on my Darth Kitty helmet and my lightsaber, but I'm going to take off the um, beach background that I had on originally and like the the booties that I had on him. That's amazing. So. These are I, I'm I'm glad to you kind of freaked me out when I first stumbled across the all the accessories. I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to destroy my original Mooncat. So it's nice to know that there's an easy way to back out of it. Are there certain accessories that are more collectible or limited, or how, how does that work? So we tend to leave it up to the artist how they want to design the accessories. In terms of what Ponderware has created, we have sort of a mix between. Absolutely, everybody can own this. So there are 25,404 copies of an accessory, including the discount space tuna. And then there are other accessories that we've created, such as the early acclimator helmet, where if you put your mooncat into the official wrapper prior to June 8th, when there was really no motivation to do so, we rewarded you for being an early adopter by giving you a helmet you can't buy. You have mm. to be on the list of mooncats that earned that by doing a specific activity. Other than that, we have a few sort of prolific, super talented artists that design for the the boutique that are just members of the community. Um, for example, Tusk Tusk. And a lot of his builds, he will do between 10 and 30 of his particular item. For example, he did like a Mecha Godzilla, and there was only 30. And once those have sold out, and they actually sold out, I think, two days ago, there are no more. No one can ever make that pattern again. You can't 100% duplicate an accessory. So if you want a Mecha Kaiju, you have to go find a Mooncat that owns it and buy it. Yeah, so there's a, a few things to unpack there. If you say you find a Mooncat that owns it and buy it, would that owner... Well, a couple questions. One, if I if I see a Mooncat with an accessory and I buy that Mooncat, am I also... Re- I take it I'm also receiving everything, meaning the original Mooncat... The, the fact that it's been wrapped in the new contract and then also the accessory. Can't, exactly. Okay. And if, and if I decouple like that l- more limited edition accessory, Mm-mm. you can't. Correct. An accessory well, is owned by the Mooncat. So, oh, so there's no way to take it off and sell it if I, once I apply it to my Mooncat. So you can, you can remove it from the display of your Mooncat, but it will always be in your Mooncat's wardrobe. Understood. 
The okay. reason that we so there's trade off here. If like you could ask, well, why didn't we make the accessories their own individual NFTs? Uh, and there are a handful of reasons for that. One of the biggest, however, is current marketplace support. Basically, we didn't want people to get rug pulled. If you bought a Mooncat, you were looking on OpenSea and wanted to buy a Mooncat that had some super rare accessories, and you went to buy that Mooncat, it is possible someone could submit a front-running transaction, remove those accessories before your transaction cleared, leaving you with a much less valuable Mooncat on the other side. Right. That makes a lot of sense. I'm glad. I'm, I'm actually glad to hear that you did it that way because that, that's always my concern. And it, it's, it's, it's a weird kind of world that we live in today. I mean, there was like Loot, for example, when that project came out, there was, you had to see if it had already been redeemed, like the actual currency that went along with it. And the same thing goes with Bored Apes, like have they actually gone in and minted or, or drank their serums? Like there's a, a thousand little things you have to kind of like do, do, do your due diligence on prior to making a purchase, which can at times like trick you into buying something you think you have extended attributes for that you don't actually have because they've already been redeemed. Uh, yeah, and we definitely were sensitive to that when we actually created a new NFT for the Mooncats universe that actually just came out September 16th. So as of this recording, it was yesterday. And it's called Loot Prints for... And so it is a riff off of that loot phenomenon where you are generally buying text in a square Ours is a little bit more designed than that because it's Mooncats and there's all sorts of tech behind it. So, loot prints for Mooncats are a step forward in the ecosystem towards some of our future product offerings. And, you know, we, these are some ideas that have been on the roadmap for a while. And when loot came out, we were inspired to begin moving in that direction and saw a great opportunity to sort of give that loot-inspired flair to something in the Mooncats universe. So the loot prints, each, each Mooncat, each acclimated Mooncat specifically, is eligible to claim a loot print. And the loot print represents a spaceship for Mooncats. Now, what this spaceship does specifically is a secret. That will, that will come in time. So there are four main criteria. There's the color. The color of a loot print is the complementary color of the rescue cat. If it's a Genesis cat, the loot print matches the color of the cat. And then the hero cats, we mint 160 of the loot prints for the hero cats, who, in the lore, if you read the blog post, donated them to Ponderware in order to further support the ecosystem for their furry brethren. The names are determined via a random generation algorithm. The longer names are more rare in general, and single word names are quite rare. The specific rarities are actually not knowable until all the loot prints are minted or minting is closed on October 24th. But there are statistical rarities built into the contract. The bays are three, four, or five, and will hold things that will be very exciting and to be announced at a future date. And then how that, did these get revealed over time? Because I noticed that when I actually go to OpenSea and I go to Loot Prints, 
some of them do have some of the characteristics in terms of having the actual name and the bays and the colors is it, when will mine show up? Because I just meant to mine today. It is just a bunch of empty question marks. So every 1,280 claims, we actually call a reveal function, which will reveal the next batch. And essentially, this means, so it's, it's a two-part reveal system. We first submit a transaction called prep reveal. And in that, we include the hash of a secret number that we choose arbitrarily. Once we prep the reveal, it records that current block number as well. The block hash for that block, though, is not known when the transaction is being processed. After that transaction is finalized, we submit another reveal transaction. And that transaction includes the secret number that we previously submitted the hash of. The smart contract verifies that we, in fact, submitted the right number and then takes that and the block hash of the block specified in the prep reveal step and hashes that together with the rescue order of the cat. And that is used as the random seed for all the trait generation. And this system basically ensures that everyone can be surprised and there's really functionally no way to cheat. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> that's a lot of work. So, so what's the over... I, I can see you're extending the functionality of the universe, right? You're, you're adding vehicle types and things of that nature. Do you have... Is this kind of like let the community guide us, listen to Discord, and take it month over month and decide what to build next? Or is there some type of like grander vision here in terms of like creating a really immersive universe where these are actual functional elements that you can play in some type of universe? So it's a little of column A and a little bit of column B in terms of guidance versus their own vision. So one of the cool things about uh, Mooncats is anybody can go to mooncat.community and there's a page there um, called Build and you can look at our contracts and see like how to call the API. And if you want to build something and people have, you totally can. That can be part of the grander Mooncats universe. So one of the things someone has done is Isotile is a 3D metaverse where Ponderware worked with the developer to create 3D avatars that you can have inside of your Isotile room of Mooncats. There's also the Cuddle Finance game where you can... It's actually on pause right now, but before it paused, you could go to the Cuddle Finance page, induct your cat into the game. You had to feed it, but you got a Cuddle token back every time you fed your cat. And then you could actually buy and sell or stake that cuddle token to like monetize owning a moon cat. Crazy. Um, we actually just announced recently Mooncat Pop, which is something that was originally designed by the community and now is like a co-project between brand name here, which is the company, and Ponderware, where you're going to be able to buy one of 250 vending machines and you choose what Mooncat graces that vending machine. And the vending machine will dole out a hundred Mooncat pop cans. And so like you are the arbiter of who gets to just grab a can from the vending machine. And you actually, as the owner of the vending machine, get the sales from those cans. So we don't take those. That That's all you. If you want to slap your Mooncat on a vending machine and market it as this is my Mooncat on my vending machine, have that. It's yours. Yeah, so yeah, that's a great uh, segue into how you think about rights and ownership here. Like what every 
every project here, and I don't know that anyone has the perfect answer, but every every project that we see out there has different rights associated with copyright and ownership of that material or that NFT. How do you all approach this? So I should probably preface it by saying I am not our team's legal counsel and nothing I say here should be construed as absolute legal advice, but it is our goal with the Mooncat licensing to allow anyone who owns the Mooncat essentially free reign to do with that Mooncat as they please, be it commercializing it, doing whatever, creating any kind of derivative works. And that is, that is what our recently published licensing terms are intended to reflect. We want, That's- to the extent possible, for people to have that kind of full ownership over their Mooncats. Yeah, that's I, that sounds fantastic. I, I think that that is the general trend that I like to see and that most projects are kind of leaning towards and that in some sense you want to say, hey, listen, don't mess with the Mooncat brand because it's important to protect that trademark and that you don't want people to be able to just steal and clone the project, right? But at the same time, giving the individuals free reign over what they do with their individual entity from a stylistic and kind of design standpoint would make a lot of sense. And it, frankly, this, this dovetails really well with um, where we see ourselves with respect to the project. At Ponderware, we consider ourselves stewards of the Mooncat ecosystem, not dictators of the Mooncat ecosystem. It's our goal to foster a good community. We're try to, well, we do our best to be very receptive to the community, you know, what they like, what they don't, what they want. And there are things like accessories. We're very committed to Mooncats remaining family friendly. We don't put those restrictions in the smart contract, but there are accessories, for example, that uh, don't fit those guidelines. So we don't display those accessories in uh, venues that we control, but they're on the blockchain. They're in smart contracts. You can create those accessories. You can apply them to your Mooncats. You can create your own Mooncat viewer. We provide all the code to do that. And so we try, again, we, we see ourselves as stewards of the community, but not dictators. We're, we're very sensitive to the needs of the community and very interested in growing the ecosystem together. And that definitely came into play when we decided to reveal the first Mooncat development roadmap. So like one of the things that we talk about a lot, particularly on the Mooncat Discord, is on two projects we have coming up. And so one is uh, called Project Sportsball, and then the other one is Deep Space. And so one of the things that we saw over and over again in the broader NFT community and in sort of Mooncat spaces was like, I love my Mooncat. I want to be able to play something with my Mooncat. And so sports ball is actually going to be a game that you play with your Mooncats. And in fact, if you have a loot print, if you have a, a diagram for a spaceship, a Mooncat spaceship, that will actually see use in both the upcoming sports ball game as well as the deep space project. Gotcha. That's awesome. So with respect to loot prints, another thing is... So you asked about rarity and, and of, of characteristics in the original Mooncats project. We left that very open-ended. And I'd like to give a shout-out to artbro.eth, who posted this on the Discord some days ago, and it very much tickled me. Mooncats, the choose-your-own-scarcity adventure collectible. And that, uh, that pretty much sums <laughs> up the original scarcity of, of Mooncats. With the... Uh, 
Loot Prince Project, we did build in some scarcity mechanics, and that was largely nod to the community's desire for a little bit more guidance on what are rare and not rare characteristics for things. And so, left to our own devices, we might have done the same thing again, but we instead opted to heed the community and give that kind of rarity that people have come to expect. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Because you're saying more or less that the initial project didn't have really finely defined and carved out rarity outside of the the Genesis, right? Because you could say any of the the Genesis were were just by the number sheer number of there only being 96 that makes them insanely rare. In fact, I was just looking today and the least expensive of the Genesis that are up for sale is 120 ETH or around at today's price is 410,000 US dollars. So it's it's pretty it's clear that those have stood out as being uh desirable. Yeah, and yeah, you're you're very much right. We we did not specify any sort of trait rarity in the original contract. Originally again, people did a lot more selecting of cats and in the mad rush in March, pretty much it was a free for all where everyone just minted whatever cat they could get their hands on. How and many were left in March when when that when someone discovered it? What was there a thousand, five thousand? Hang on, I have that number. So prior to twenty twenty one, there were fifty seven, fifty seven. That was the latest moon cat. So there were five thousand seven hundred and fifty eight moon cats minted out of twenty five thousand six hundred. So there was like nineteen thousand and almost twenty thousand left. Wow, that's crazy. And yeah, those those got like I think ninety minutes. That's insane. Uh, now you can still pick up an acclimated mooncat today for a little under an ETH, which, on the grand scheme of NFT things, that's still very approachable. When when you think about where this stands historically as a project, what comes to mind? Is it one of the early generative projects? I mean, obviously, on Ethereum before the ERC seven twenty one standard, there's some. That, that's a very elite small group of, of, of quote-unquote NFT projects that launched be, before that. What, what, what do you think about um, where you fit in that timeline? This is something that uh, we don't really speak to. What constitutes an NFT is a fuzzy and open-ended question, and each of those characteristics, generative, on-chain... Um, nameable. You know, nameable. Fungibility... All of those things have very fuzzy definitions, and basically, we don't speak to that specifically because we don't want to tell people things that aren't true. Because it's, it's shifting sands, right? Like I've seen this exactly. happen a few times where you say somebody's like, "Hey, I was the second generative project ever on Ethereum, or the fifth, or whatever it may be," and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you're like, "Oh, guess what? There was that random project that had 150 things that existed on this date, and..." Is, is that more or less you're saying just because you, you really don't know? I think the one that the the only one that we feel like 100% confident is we're pretty sure we were the first cat. The first cat. Yep. Pretty pretty sure we were the first cat as well. Yeah. That, that's we, a big one, actually, given all the, the cat memes and cat fans that are out there. That's a huge one. We think we innovated in the space of user modifiable, user customizable NFTs with the naming system. These were things that were on our minds in 2017 when we were making it. Did we actually end up being the first ones to do all of those things? I really don't know how to say. 
But those were contributions we were trying to make. And in the atmosphere of 2017, that was our goal. And to some extent, we're a little disappointed with what we see as something of a lack of innovation in the NFT space. And we don't mean to... There, there are many great NFTs and wonderful artists out there, and we're not trying to throw shade on, on anybody. But you know, we, we really hoped that the more interactive elements and, and some of the things that we did would, would catch on a little bit more, and, and they didn't. And that was, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say a disappointment, but we continue to hope that some of those things will catch on. And again, one of the things that I think really stands out about the original Mooncats project is the distribution model. At the time, for 50 cents, you could get a moon cat. That's insane. How times have changed, right? <laughs> Indeed. So what, what's, the, what's the future look like for this project? I, we've talked a bit about what you have kind of that you're developing now. Is there any more you'd like to share there? I mean, how can people get involved? I, I take it they can contribute in, in multiple ways, obviously on your Discord. But is there, is there any kind of bigger vision you could share? Well, so with respect to collaboration, I would say that as a, as a company, we're very open to community collaborations. If people want to bring ideas to us, we, we support people. We, we do our best to support them with even development time in various contexts and encouragement, sometimes PR. We do have some visions for where the whole project is going, but a lot of it is very difficult to pin down as the space evolves so very quickly. There's a lot we think we can do in metaverses, but, well, metaverses are still sort of stabilizing. Well, actually, I wouldn't even say they're stabilizing yet. They're, they're still sort of launching. Building, yeah. Yeah. We're also, we've been exploring for some time L2 solutions, and we are very interested in creating more live, real-time, interactive experiences. But you know, that space is still very much in flux. And we, we very much want to make sure that what we build is, is stable and there for the long haul. One question around kind of the future of where the, the cats go and metaverses in general is one of the things that we've seen is you know, a lot of these projects that are working on models and tooling to enable, you know, these these objects to enter a metaverse. Obviously, it's one thing to hang an NFT on a wall in a metaverse, and it's another thing to make a creature that kind of can walk around. So yep. one thing that I would say that I've paid attention to, and I think it, that they've done a, a pretty good job of this, is the CyberKongs project, where they started off with a very flat 2D, 8-bit style, only later to evolve it into a 3D world and a new project which creates Kongs that are wired up so that they can be used in these metaverses. I would imagine, and you don't have to disclose this if you want, but I would imagine that it has to be on your radar. Oh, and it is. And we've actually talked about it a little bit in the past. So we have actually purchased land in the sandbox. And so we are going to be participating in that particular metaverse. We are still in the planning stages. So for example, how big is a moon cat? 
I'm it's saying a cat question. size. Right. And, <laughs> but what's a cat size? Because I have a nine pound fully grown house cat and you have lions that are tons. Like what's the size of a moon cat? It's something that like we haven't defined in the lore yet. And so when you go into the question. metaverse. They've been in zero G for a while. So right. like what's their bone structure like? Like there's a lot to define here. Well, and they live on the blockchain. So, like, do real mechanics even apply to a moon cat? We haven't decided yet. But, like, if you go into the metaverse with, like, a cyber Kong, you are sort of, like, seeing out of your cyber Kong. When you go into the metaverse, like a sandbox, with your, do you go into the meta metaverse as your moon cat? Do you go into the metaverse with your moon cat? If so, where do you, mm. where is your vision? Is it above the moon cat? Do you walk beside a moon cat? It's a How great big point. is the moon cat? And so like, we are like 100% committed to being into the metaverse spaces, but there are so many questions about the broader moon cat mm. lore that just we've never had to consider. And now we have to think about it and make decisions. Yeah, it's a it's a great point. I mean, I'm just reminded of my days playing Zelda when you could like tame an animal to kind of like come along with you. And it wasn't my main point of view, but it would follow me around wherever I went. And there is a there is a world where you could say, okay, maybe moon cats are my companion, or maybe they're my main avatar. That's a hard one to figure out. I do feel it's important, and I would like to reassure you that any brittle bone problems induced by extended periods of time on the moon were corrected in the acclimation process. Oh, that's good. That's good to know. Because, yeah, that would be a serious issue. <laughs> Very important part of the lore. Yeah, I've, maybe I've been watching too many sci-fi movies, but yeah, I've seen that not go well with the the belters on the, on the Expanse series of books. But <laughs> yeah, well, this has been awesome. For those that are excited to actually potentially purchase or want to get involved at the community level, I would I would take it that your Discord is the best place. And then also a question around domains, because it seems that you have a few that are kind of Mooncat official. Can you point us to the right places? Sure. So we are at Ponderware on Twitter, and that includes our Mooncat community Discord. If you want to see from a historical perspective what it was like to rescue a Mooncat, even though you can't do it anymore... Our old website is mooncatrescue.com. And what we've done is we don't update that site anymore. And you actually get a pop-up when you go there that says, hey, this is a historical artifact. But it was really important to both us and the community that it was preserved as is. Mm. So you can still go there and navigate the old site. Part of it is broken. So <laughs> it is sort of like showing its age. But if you go to mooncat.community, that's our new website. And we're actually in the process of creating a refresh for that site. Otherwise, you could go to places like OpenSea or Rarible and search for official mooncats, acclimated mooncats, and you will find our official collections. And I mean, we are happy to answer questions about mooncats. We love, you know, helping people pick out their first mooncat, whether it's going to be your first mooncat or like, I want to collect a whole litter. There is always someone in the community who is willing to help you like pick a color or make a decision between two mooncats. And I definitely want to give a shout out to our community member, Dan, who not only helped us build the boutique, but he actually created mooncat.pro 
which is a website you can go to and you can look at any moon cat. It will give you a statistical breakdown of their rarity, whether they have litter mates, so it's uh, cats with the same coat, whether they have twins and mirrors and clones and all of that is defined on the site. That gives you an idea of how collectible a cat might be. Because unlike most NFTs where the rareable is like an up or down number, it's like, all right, this is the 26th most rare, you know, fig. And therefore, it, it there's only 25 figs that are going to cost more than this. Mooncats have a lot of factors that go into their rarity. It's not an up or down question. And so that's an excellent tool to be like, all right, how cool is my Mooncat? Very, very awesome. Yeah, this it sounds like you have a very welcoming community uh, for people that are looking to get into this, which for me was very confusing, actually, when I first uh, <laughs> got into it because it was just there was so much to consider. It's kind of hard to decide when and how to pull the trigger on. So that is a major, a major operational concern for us right now. We are in the process of trying to retool some of our informational materials so that it is not this deluge oh, with a thousand little strands and we can help people get onboarded more easily into the ecosystem. And I, I would like to just note how wonderful our community really is. We're we're really busy, and I can't say that I have time to participate in other NFT communities, but while there may be some out there as good as ours, I can't believe that there are any better than ours. The Mooncat community is full of so many talented people and is just incredibly friendly and welcoming and, and patient with newcomers. It, it's really a wonderful. That's fantastic. Well, thank you both for for joining me and and so much uh, for sharing all this information and history here. It's uh it's an honor to have such a an early kind of historic project on on many fronts. So ha- have you on the show? Thank you for having us. Yeah, we really appreciate you taking the time. This was fun. All right, that is it for this episode. The one quick thing you can do that would be super helpful is obviously tell your friends about the show, but also head on over to proof.xyz/reviews and there's a button there to rate the show. Uh, giving us a review would be much appreciated because we're a brand new show. And the other thing is just a reminder, we have all the full show notes, so all the links to everything we talked about today, you can just find over at proof.xyz. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.